0: episode 37 of cloudy with a chance of racing and the final four are set for each of the three nascar national touring series just like we've been your final four all season long braxton here with steve jake and dylan tonight on cloudy with a chance of racing as we head look forward to the season finale at phoenix international raceway that'll be coming up this weekend out west in the desert, guys, a uh, uh, a Martinsville weekend that uh, Jake you took it in. So i will be curious to get your perspective on the Cup race, but um, I thought it was uh, it was some compelling racing, especially Saturday. It was an um, I thought an amazing finish to the Xfinity race.
1: I'll let Jake take this one away. He was the one who was there. Uh, did you see? Were you went, there? Were you were there on Saturday? No, you were there on, on Sunday.
2: Saturday. Um. But I was watching. I mean, you know, I was watching what was going on. Man, it. I mean, it really doesn't get any better. I mean, it, it kind of went full Martinsville in a way on Saturday night, and uh, I don't even know where where to begin with the Xfinity series, and not just the ending, uh, but like who was a part of it, and there's obviously you know, uh, you know, between Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill and. Sheldon Creed moving on uh, from RCR, no longer being there um, next season. All of that knocking Austin Hill, who we've talked about, and we've all agreed uh, it was, I mean, the championship race we thought was between him and John Hunter Nemechek. Now Hill's not even in the floor. Uh, the cup series race. I was there, woke up real early on uh, Sunday here. That's about four hours from where I live, drove down, Took it all in. Uh, Braxton, you asked me last week, I had four hot dogs. Let's go. That was the total.
0: <laughs> How many did Erin have? Uh,
2: she she wasn't there for, for this weekend. I, I, I met up with a, a buddy of mine.
0: So did you but, bring any uh, back to her?
2: N- no, I didn't.
0: Because <laughs> I tell you what, the only thing I can think that would be better than a Martinsville hot dog would be a minimum of like a six-hour-old Martinsville hot dog.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's she just
1: assuming yeah. that she eats it as soon as he, yeah. she gets it. Right. That's right. It.
2: Yeah. Uh, yep. I got, um, you know, they like, I I remember they sell them in the bag. So I got a, my buddy and I split a bag up there in turn four. Um, it was a great day on Sunday. I felt like, it, you know, there could have been a little more to the cup series race, but I, you know, the way it played out organically, um, was nice. And, the weather was near perfect. It was sold out, and it really was. I mean, I looked around, and, and all the rows were filled. It, it, was, it was really nice. And, like I thought, um, the majority of the fans were pretty happy when Denny Hamlin did not advance at the end. And uh, in, in, in the pre-race intros, by far, got the most reaction, good and bad. So, overall, I had a really fun weekend there.
1: Well, I mean, I, uh, the, I'm talking about this now a little bit, but the uh, Austin Hill-Sheldon Creed uh, situation was very interesting because uh, I think we all talked about this in the group chat a little bit, but um, not really surprising, uh, the comments from Hill, but also not – but and I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised now, but the comments from Richard Childress as well – um, I thought were very, very out of line. Um, and, and
0: when that video clip, uh, of Andy Petrie going up to, uh, to hit, to
1: Sheldon after the race, what was that all about? I don't really understand why Andy Petrie I mean, I, I do understand like frustration in that moment, but I just think it's a bad look to be, I mean, I don't know what he said exactly. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows what he said, but
0: no, it it was kind of obscured in the video, but, but you can tell like it was not, Hey, but great race because Sheldon was like, you know, if somebody, if he was, if the roles were reversed, you wouldn't be seeing
1: anything. Right. I just was, you know, I thought it was, there was like a lack of professionalism all around. I mean, and honestly, I didn't really don't, I mean, I didn't have any issues with what with, with Creed did or said, I mean, I know that it was just a bad situation all around for that, for the, for the organization, but I thought that the organization handled it very badly. Um, that was a great finish. Uh, good for all Um, the, the cup race I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised with. I didn't think it was going to be great. It was pretty good. Um, there are, you know, the, the one good thing about a place like Martinsville is that there is a lot of battles happening, um, mid pack a lot of the time or closer to the front where you're not as much worried about the lead as you are like, you know, a position battle. Like for instance, it was kind of touch and go for Denny a little bit there and Byron was hanging on. Um, but I, I was, I thought it was a great weekend, uh, and I kind of had a feeling that we were going to see really, really good racing with, uh, Xfinity and we did. Um, but I was very satisfied.
3: Yeah. I thought it was a great weekend of racing. Um, I did see where Andy Petrie said, I didn't listen to what he said, but he did have a reaction on Sirius XM. I didn't get the full comment from what exactly he said. Uh, but, yeah, that was – you know, that – it it was really – I was frustrated the way RCR ha- kind of handled that, but I'm not surprised with the way they handled the whole Tyler Reddick deal um, last year. So, yeah, n- not surprised. Um, I thought Sheldon Creed did the right thing. You know, I guess looking back, people are saying he might have break-checked them coming out of four, but I mean, I don't think he was thinking about that in the heat of the moment. He was trying to get a good run off the corner. Um, and then the cup race on Sunday, I thought it was great to see a, a packed crowd. The weather was about as perfect as it could get uh, with this style of, of racing and, and how much trouble this car's had at the cold short tracks. that can't lay down rubber. I don't know how much that had to do with the track being so hot um, and, or the tire. But it's going to be around the same temperature in Phoenix, so I guess we'll find out then. Um, uh, And uh, I thought, you know, it was really impressive to see Ryan Blaney, which I don't think Penske... When's the last time we've been talking about Penske having long run speed? Because usually this year, I feel like, especially at some of the short tracks, they've had short run speed. Uh, But both Logano and Blaney, I think, both showed... Uh, a little bit of a Penske power there in that race. And uh, Blaney easily gets into the final four, even if he didn't win. So I thought that was impressive.
0: Well, yeah. And you're spot on with all of that. I guess we'll start with the Xfinity series. Um, And the big controversy there was obviously uh, Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed racing to the end. And, uh, and, you know, Austin, you know, had a pathway. He could have made it on points. And ended up, you know, Sheldon had had to win. Like, that was the deal from the get-go. And ended up that uh, Sheldon's move there ended up costing both of them. Because Allgaier went ahead and won the race. Um, That's certainly disappointing. But like you guys have said, the reaction to it by RCR was even more disappointing in my eyes. Because you look at some of the things that have happened throughout the year. and, And I point back to... Uh, like the JRM guys all taking each other out at various points throughout the season. And you never once saw Junior or Kelly Earnhardt or anybody in an organization, you know, treating their teammates or, or other people within the group the way that the Austin Hill treated Sheldon Creed and, and Andy Petrie and Richard Childress treated Sheldon Creed, uh, both in person and in the media afterwards. Um, that's just, even if it's a lame duck situation like, there's been accidents since Josh Berry announced he was going to uh, SHR next year in the cup series where he's had some run-ins with, with teammates. And it's, it's never the, the dirty laundry. If there is any he has never been aired out in public like this. And it's just, just not a good look. And, uh-huh. and, and honestly, I think it might make some drivers, you know, of course there are going to be some drivers who are just like, I want to get any opportunity I can, but it might make some drivers who have the liberty of having a choice Maybe
1: think twice about going to RCR in the future. Well, I don't. I mean, this is kind of, kind of how Richard Childress operates. I think like this is how he, you know, he he's he's had issues in the past uh, with multiple drivers, high level drivers. Not issues in particular, but like I think he's felt spurned m- multiple times, which like he shouldn't. I think drivers just either progress and like leave or. Um, you know, they're with him forever. Like he's not going to run into this issue with Austin Dillon, not that it matters, but I mean, you know, there've been issues with Kyle Bush. There've been issues with sort of with Kevin Harvick. He obviously didn't respect Tyler Reddick toward the end when he knew that Reddick was gone. Um, I think that this is just how the organization operates. It's not to me, it's not uh, like Chevrolet, I think has had uh, some kind of a strange season. Um, and you know, I, early on, I thought we're like, Oh, Richard Childress racing is back. And then they kind of, I don't want to say faded into oblivion, but, um, they had some strong runs and less than so, um, you know, I think that this was a bad situation, but I think Richard Childress at this point is just kind of like, you know, he's old and just doesn't care what anyone thinks, which I think is a problem because it doesn't exactly breed confidence for the the future Xfinity or cup drivers that could be coming to the, to the team.
2: certainly you bring up kind of the the history a little bit with RCR and um, some of it, I mean, you know, the, the issues with Tyler Reddick are, you know, kind of just happened and are a little fresh. And um, I think it, I think it was Tyler Reddick when RCR put out that statement kind of saying like, um, this this couldn't have came at a worse time or something. I think it was Tyler Reddick announced that he was leaving, and it was like that weird, really weird statement put out by the team. And it it is um it, it's not a good look, that's for sure. And um you know, in you know Austin Hill interviewed afterwards, kind of spilling some of the beans on Sheldon Creed's Sheldon Creed's next move. Um, but I'm interested was so in, in those closing laps, um, if Creed would have won, I guess was Austin Hill in, uh, a spot to get through still.
0: Yeah. The way I understood it was that, uh, if, if it had been Creed Hill one and two, Mm -hmm. then they both would have made it. Cause Hill would have gone in on points on the last spot and then Creed would, Hill had the advantage on points over all but yeah. then because all won, and he got in and it got, um, oh, who's the fourth and yeah, I had to pull it up real quick on the Xfinity standings. Who's the fourth? Oh, Custer. Are you talking oh, about F- Custer, Custer? Yeah. 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 So because, Cross uh,
2: line backwards and on fire. And...
0: Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Custer ended up getting in.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that's why – and I guess, you know, this is this is the playoff system, I guess, in a way. I mean, this is, you know, win and you're in the next round, win and this is the championship four. And, you know, Creed, I mean, he – raising his uh, teammate, you know, Hill, he, he wants to make a statement and uh, – for RCR and you got to credit him for leaving it all out there, even knowing even before that the relationship it's kind of on the rocks. And, but, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't see an issue like um, with really what transpired on the track either way. I just, you know, like we've said, I see the issue post race.
3: Yeah. I just, you know, I kind of got most of what I Thought about the whole situation out, but you know, uh, I guess I, I like to see the passion at least. But it's the it's the pettiness I think from the team that that just I think rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And you guys have brought up a good point that you know w- what about drivers that are looking for that seat in the future? You know, if if you're not, <laughs> I I don't know if you're not blood. I guess <laughs> in terms of Ty Dillon and and Austin Dillon, then you don't know what kind of the level of respect you're going to have. So that yeah, that's kind of frustrating.
0: Yeah, certainly, and and I think it, uh, you know, I, at least I saw at least one post. I think it might have been on Reddit that you know it called into question some of Austin Hill's character because Austin was just on the Dale Jr. download last week, and some people were like, "Well, you just said this on to Dale Jr.'s face, and then you're doing this like." less than a week later after you don't make the final four in the playoffs. Like uh, it, it definitely you know looks bad on his character in addition to the comments made by, uh, by RC and, and uh, Andy Petrie as well. So not a great situation all around. But uh, overall, I thought like the Xfinity series race was hyper competitive. There were comers and goers, you know, cars that were working hard, like strategy worked sometimes, didn't work sometimes. Uh, and, and it was just everything I wanted in a race. Like there was beating and banging, but it wasn't straight, just wrecking people for the most part. And I think that was really refreshing and, and good to see because there've been a lot of times, especially in some of those lower series that it just turns into a dump fest where people don't even try to make their corner and make a pass. They're just booting people out of the way to try to get around. So, uh, I thought, I thought it was an entertaining race overall. And then, of course, the drama at the end certainly added to it. I don't think the same could be said necessarily for Sunday. Um, I thought that in the cup race, Sunday really seemed like it was, uh, especially in that long green flag run to end the race, was 162 laps, something like that. The longest green flag run to end the race at Martinsville and like Twenty-five years or something—I th- I saw uh, it's a crazy long run. It definitely seemed like if your car wasn't good, you were falling back. But nobody had like an exceptionally good car. There was like the 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 meat a pack of the part of the pack was really high up in terms of they were all running really good. If you weren't running good, you were a little bit down, and it was evident. But it wasn't like that. The there wasn't like a bell curve. Like the bell was way towards one end, towards the good end. And so there wasn't like any exceptionally good cars that were able to make their way through the field, except maybe Blaney there at the end. But that was that was the exception, really. Um, was that what you saw in the stands there, Jake?
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what you know. I I kind of saw. Um, you know, at the beginning, you know, Truex starting on the pole. Um, you figured that he would lead some laps. Now, whether it would be, you could kind of tell. Um, you know, 20 laps in, this wasn't going to be, you know, the dominating Truex. And he did fall back, and he never, like we talked about his playoff struggles, he never really recovered after, you know, falling back towards the start. But other than that, I mean, you saw, um, you know, Hamlin a little bit, but he kind of knew uh, that Blaney had the fastest car, but it was always – watching from the stands I don't think that people really realized that um or thought you know this was his race to lose necessarily because I didn't think he was you know he wasn't pulling away and um you know things like that so I I agree with your assessment and um there wasn't um it was interesting coming out of you didn't realize it would be the last uh, there would be no more yellow flags but um coming out of the i guess it would be the final restart to go with 163 laps to go when you know Almarola was up front and chase elliott um they and they stayed up there but those weren't necessarily you know um the cars earlier in the race that were up front they, they based on what they did on pit road and the strategy and i thought that was interesting the way they also hung up front um so yeah there were there were a lot more uh I guess you could say goers and comers in the race. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think the Logano. See, I was up in, uh, turn four ish. Kind of, um, that Logano sending Gibbs was kind of right in front of me. That was pretty cool. I guess. Well, not cool if you're Ty Gibbs, but just to see, you, you could, you could see it coming for a couple laps and, and it, it just happened right there. Um, and that was wild. And then, you know, the pace car incident was was kind of funny. I texted you guys because I can't, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on on TV. I can't hear anything. So like, what is going on? But um, yeah, the race, uh, it was good. It it, it really was. I, it was the best short track I think we've seen in the next gen era.
1: I I wanted to talk about that whole Logano Gibbs Denny. Blaney situation, because obviously it's kind of like an elephant in the room, sort of, but like, like, let's just say that Denny was successful in turning Blaney. That would have ended his day. Well, it wouldn't have ended his day, but it would have ended. It would have ended his, his day, his season, basically. Um, what would have been his like excuse for doing that? Like that it was just hard racing because like, I truly did not understand what the point of what he was trying to do was outside of like, I get that he was trying to move him out of the way, but he would have dumped him if he was successful. I don't know how Blaney kept that car straight. Uh, That was a heck of a save, but like, I wasn't really upset with what Joey did. I mean, that's, I think Joey was sticking up for Penske there. I'm not the biggest defender of Joey Logano in the world, but like, I just don't understand how Denny could have been upset because like, that was the game he was playing. And it just turned out that it ended up going badly for him and, and Gibbs. Yeah.
0: I mean, that was one thing I was going to ask Jake. I I see where you're going with that, Steve. And I I thought that, you know, there was no, that it was very difficult to really just move somebody. If I like, like, you know, in the Xfinity series, you could move somebody and they would, they wouldn't totally just wreck, but you would, you would get them up the track enough to where, you know, you would have an opportunity to make the pass. And in the cup series, it didn't really seem like that was possible. Um, so I'm curious on, and if Jake saw that, but also like the TV didn't show a whole ton of the lead up to the Logano Gibbs deal. So Jake, you said you saw it coming a couple of laps, whatever. Was it warranted or was, was Joey on a short fuse there?
2: From what I saw, I, you know, I the parts of the track where I, I didn't see the most clearly were one and two, but I did, you know, you saw him from afar. Um, it just kind of typical beating and banging, but I will say that I thought maybe to expect a little more, but, you know, it is is the playoffs, but those two cars aren't in the playoffs. A little more patience from Joey. Um but uh, you're right with it, it really had to be forced to send him up like that. I mean, for Joey to make contact with Gibbs and, and Gibbs to go around because I saw some other racing um, they're coming around the turns you know your typical bumping, but things that I thought would cause a lot more havoc and um, but it was a little harder I'd, I'd say that. That's a good observation to, you know, to really clear someone out of there. So, I mean, Joey just kind of just sent it in, full send.
3: Yeah, that was something I, I don't think TV paid enough attention to that. I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, that was my reaction. I was playing, paying pretty, pretty close attention to the to the television broadcast for that part. But you bring a good point up about what the heck Hamlin was trying to do, I I don't know. I think he was just he was just frustrated. I think he knew more than anyone that, that Bellini had a better car than him, and I think that factored into it. But the, the race itself, I mean, I uh, on TV, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, Braxton mentioned earlier that you didn't have clear, you know, fast cars, but I think you did have cars, especially late in the runs, that were falling off pretty bad. That the first long run that we saw, I mean, they were cars just dropping like flies down the field. So um, you, you did see some of that. I would have been interested to see if there was a caution late. What, um, you know, Eric Amarillo, I think, would have. I think he did have a car that was, you know, able to compete, maybe a top five, top three car. I don't know if he was quite Blaney Hamlin level, uh, but I think he might have been given the right strategy there at the end. And I thought it was interesting what Hendrick was – I think Hendrick was kind of uh, putting at least one of their drivers, that being Chase Elliott, in that kind of strategy to help out Byron. I think in the end, try to put somebody up there to win so that Hamlin can't win or Truex. I think they were trying to do one, one person on a contrarian strategy to try to help out Byron because he was struggling so much. That was my biggest surprise too was how bad William Byron was.
0: Well, yeah. And, and I was going to bring up that strategy because, you know, it was a risk by, uh, by Almirola and Elliot to, to stay out on that last caution and get that, uh, stage or to get that, um, the track position that they, they last pitted on when like three Oh five or something like that. So 195 laps to go. Uh, and by all means, like all your notes for Martinsville say there's going to be a caution, like late in the race, you know, everybody's going to come to pit at that caution unless somebody is going to be really brave and be out there on ancient tires. And I mean, who, who in the world had on their bingo card? We're going to go 160 straight laps, green flagged in the race at Martinsville. Like the odds just aren't in that favor. And it's just, that's just crappy luck for Chase Elliott and uh, Eric Almarola. I will I, say too, Dylan, like the, I, I like your, your thought there on, on trying to get chase a win so that the other two couldn't win. But remember chase was in the final eight in the owner's championship that nine car was. So if he had won that race, he would have been um, in the final four on the owner's championship. So there was certainly uh, stuff to play for there as well for that own team. I think, yeah, I think
3: both definitely factored into it though, for sure. Um, I think they did need to have maybe even Larson. It could have been Larson too.
1: Uh, so I think there was something to be said too, for the fact that, um, you know, the, the end of the race had, I would say, I don't want to, I don't want to say it was predictable, but like, you know, I thought that there was a chance that Ford's would come in and kind of dominate this race for some reason. Um, like I've looked at Bubba Wallace, the last few tracks that he's usually showed speed at and immediately has fallen off after coming out. Like, I you know, I think it was last week at Homestead, there was the first six laps of the race that Bubba and, and, uh, Truex were, you know, door to door for the, you know, and then it just, he had this really, really precipitous fall off. It's kind of similar. It seemed like a little bit here. And then, you know, Reddick I thought had an opportunity, but just didn't show the same kind of speed, but like it's, it just kind of goes to show that, you know, in situations like this, where you have, a driver like chase who's had such a crazy season that, uh, and Al Marola who's probably, I mean, maybe has a chance next week, but, um, has a chance, has a chance at winning his potential, winning one more race before he rides off into the sunset, um, on a Smithfield, uh, cow, but, uh, they have, you know, cow or pig. Smithfield makes bacon. Oh, I thought they were, I thought
0: it was just meat in general. I mean, they do meats and stuff, but, you know, I remember uh, back in the, uh, in the, in the petty days that he did have bacon on the car quite a bit. I think you're
1: right. I honestly don't pay attention. I guess I probably should now. But, um, no, I just think like, you know, the, the nine and the 10 had opportunities there to kind of, uh, do something that people probably would have, I think people may have been a little annoyed with at at winning the race because it wouldn't have been either. I understand the owner's playoffs, but, uh, there's a, you know, I think with Martinsville, people want to see a winner that's punching their ticket into the championship for, uh, but uh, I, I was wondering how long Elliot was going to stay out there. I didn't want to see another situation where like Watkins Glen, he runs out of gas, and then two times in one season, uh, Alan Gustafson made a really strange call, but I mean, it, you know, it would have been interesting to see at least uh, what happened if there was a caution.
2: You're from you bring up, you know what, some of the Martinsville fans would, and fans in general probably want to see where they cut off race like that. I, uh, and I have I have nothing against Eric Almarola, but I, I was like I kind of you know, no offense to him, I it, me being there, I did not want to see him win a race. I kind of wanted to see, you know, Bellany. Mm-hmm. Hamlin, someone, you know, that's punching their ticket to the championship four to kind of add to the entertainment value, if you will. Um, but going back to Eric, and we saw this in the spring. and oh, I mean, we talked about it on last week's podcast and going back to last fall, Martinsville. You know, Stuart Haas brought it. And I was with Chase Briscoe and Ryan Priest. And we saw Chase Briscoe up there. On Sunday, I mean, he was in the top uh, top five around there all day. Finishes fourth. You go down the top ten, the Ford and first, second, fourth, fifth, eighth, ninth, tenth, and uh, kind of just what the doctor ordered. A little too late for some of these guys. Uh, Todd Gilliland had like legit speed. He finished tenth. Um, he started in the, what, 16th, 17th, in the late teens. And, uh, you know, being there, you know, I, I noticed every – he would just tick off one or two positions, uh, you know, in, in the first couple of stages every 50 laps or so and then finds himself in 10th at the end. So just a great, great day overall uh, for Ford. And, you know, talking about their struggles all year, uh Ford and now you have Ryan Blaney in the championship some could argue uh that Ryan Blaney is very easily the favorite at Phoenix um looking at the track and history and everything wouldn't surprise me to see Ryan Blaney win on Sunday
3: yeah he's he's looked impressive there and uh, you know uh even last year's championship, he, he looked pretty impressive. But um, a lot of the comments I've seen is that uh, that how mature Belaney even presented himself that whole day, the whole weekend, after what happened, uh, you know, after him calling Hamlin a hack the week before and just came out and run a very, ran a very professional race, didn't get too heated at Hamlin when they're running hard, and then just go out run a clean 163 laps and 80 degree temperatures in Martinsville. That was a really power statement there by Blaney. We haven't seen that out of him ever.
0: Yeah. Dylan, you mentioned the temperature there and you mentioned the tire wear uh, early on uh, in the, uh, in the the podcast here. I want to get your guys thoughts on that because that was one of the big talking points after the spring race was that there was virtually no tire wear. Um, it was certainly uh, cooler for the spring race than it was uh, this past weekend. And also they have a new tire compound that that worked good. But, I mean, I texted you guys on Thursday night. I watched some of the modified race, and I was like, they're laying rubber in 10 laps with the modifieds. And I, I understand the ground pounders are a different game altogether. They're using Hoosier rubber. You know, it's, it's very much an apples to oranges comparison and stuff. But still. You know, I think they proved that you could lay rubber down and then it was pleasantly surprising to see the cup series lay rubber down. I think it was a good improvement step in the right direction It didn't totally fix the racing, but, uh, I'd be curious to see how this tire compound does in a cooler environment. Um, because you know, if it's typical fall weather, if it's 55, 60 degrees, because Jake, you were at the Martinsville race last fall, right? uh, for the hail melon. Like yeah. what were the temperatures like for that?
2: That from what I remember, it was a typical fall day. I mean, I, people were in jeans and jackets and hoodies and now, Yeah. So Sunday we so, were in shorts and some people didn't even have t-shirts on, but I guess that's any track you might get to, but it, I mean, yeah, it was, hot. it was, it was legit hot. It wasn't just warm.
0: Right. So I'm just wondering like if it was a regular Martinsville race, do the tires re- wear as much as they did, uh, uh this past weekend. And of course, none of us know and stuff. It'll be interesting to see, but, uh, I was glad to see there was some tire wear after none at all, uh, in, in the spring race, it definitely made drivers have to search around a little bit and, and, and move their line some, especially on a long run. Uh, so that was nice, but, um, it still made it too much of like a one lane racetrack because you know, it, they were basically like straddling all of the the rubber and so they're like half a lane up and it wasn't re- it wasn't really super easy to, to get down there and pass on the, on the low side. I think most passes were made on the high side, to be honest with you.
3: Yeah. I, I, that is a good question though. Does this work with cooler temperatures? But I also think, well, I don't, I don't know if we'll see it because there's still maybe more changes that they will try to make to this car the short track I think in the off season, I, I still don't think they're satisfied at least I hope not.
0: No, So I have heard I've seen Bob Pocris tweet a couple of times that uh, there is a December organizational test I believe or, or maybe not organizational but a December test is going to be happening at Phoenix uh, where they're going to further experiment with the uh, short track package and I don't know what all of that entails honestly I want to ask one of our our friend who is a mechanic and stuff, Travis Braden, if it's even possible to just ditch the floor entirely. So it's not that flat bottom. Uh, I think that would help a ton with the short track package. I just don't know if it's the way the car is put together, that if it's, you know, a bunch of stuff that bolts to that. until so you can't really just take it off because there's, you know, you're not going to have anywhere to put your transaxle or anything like that. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what, what changes they do come up with. And at least they're being somewhat receptive, uh, even if it's a slow progression, because now we've, you know, had two years of kind of bum short track races, like not very good short track racing. So, um, so it's disappointing, but at least they're being somewhat receptive and,
1: and, you know, not just putting their foot in the ground and be like, I yeah, gotta deal with it. They definitely see those poles. I mean, they, they definitely do. Uh, there's oh, yeah. like, I, I, I know yeah. that like, I, I know fans sometimes get a little I, I don't know, annoying, but I, I do think fans a lot of the time are right uh, in in what they see. I mean, the ratings are what the ratings are. Um, you know, the better races are the ones that, it, and I for, I think somebody shared it in in our in our chat where you know it, it basically the highest rated races from Jeff Glucks polls were the races that we considered to be good races also. So I don't think that there's a big gap between what like NASCAR considers to be good races versus what fans consider to be good races. I think at this point, it's just about trying to figure out uh, a softer compound or a horsepower difference or um, like a, a spoiler difference or something along those lines. And, you know, if they can figure that out maybe in the off season, you know, I, I definitely complained complained a lot more last year about the short track package. I think it's definitely been better this year. Um, but that's the key is that it's been better. It hasn't been great. So uh, I thought this was a good race. I mean, I'm not going to knock on it that bad, but there definitely is uh, areas. There were, def- there were definitely areas for improvement. Yeah,
2: just being there um, past few, and actually, I guess, dating back, uh, been to three or four of the fall ones at Martinsville in a row. I think that, I mean, there was, you know, the hail melon. And then the year before that was the Bowman and Hamlin stuff. But I, I think that, uh, from this year to last year, I, I was, you know, thoroughly enjoyed myself in the stands and saw, you know, a little bit more of, you know, the tire fall off in the, in the coming and and going and cars like we've discussed really falling off. Um, And, you know, it's, it'll take obviously a lot more um, work and improvement, you know, but we've, we've wanted to see some improvement and um, hopefully, I mean, it doesn't all have to do with um, the weather because you're not going to get, you know, you're kind of playing roulette uh, with with the weather forecast uh, that late in October, you know, in Virginia, you just don't know um, year to year what you'll get, but um, it's just a step in the right direction. If they can just uh, figure it out with the, with the short tracks and, and uh, I mean, you're in for, the best schedule, the best diverse schedule in motorsports, something that, um, can really be fun if they can figure out the car.
0: You know, one thing I'll point out is that like, I think they have, they're going to have to have, you know, some, some varied packages depending on the type of tractor going to more so than just, um, spoiler height. Because I think of, like, IndyCar has different packages from the road and street courses to the the short to mid length ovals. Like they have been going to Texas in the past. They go to uh, Iowa. They use a different package there, and then a different package for the speedway. And they're in Indianapolis. Um, you know, they have different packages. They're not drastically different, but it's basically different no for front wings and rear wings makes a big impact in the, uh, the aerodynamics formula one. I realize it's a different beast, but they all tailor their aerodynamics to the type of track they're going to, you know, a lot of faster corners and stuff. They're going to have, you know, a different aero package than, than a slower track like Monaco. I don't see why NASCAR can't do something similar. Uh, if it's going to produce better racing across the entire schedule, um, that's my kind of little set on the short track stuff for now. Alrighty. Uh, do we guys want to get to some pop-up showers, uh, for tonight?
1: Oh yeah.
2: Mine I'll, I'll start off. Um, obviously I was at the race, my pop-up shower would just kind of be about, um, my experience at Martinsville and what I thought was cool was they had the hell melon car there in, in the, uh, you know, Chevy had a setup out there and, uh, the line to, you know, go up and see it and kind of fans were taking photos and all this was just, was just as long as, you know, lines for some merchandise and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. And, uh, And this was brought up in our group text. You don't, you know, Daytona uh, 500, you know, the car stays. But um, you don't really get to see a car like that in such an iconic moment come back to the track. And I thought that was really cool. Um, Some other things I saw, I I saw a um, a, um, NASCAR 75th anniversary. And they had a um, a trailer of, of gear there NASCAR did with a bunch of stuff, um, kind of throwback stuff. And I would I would love to see that. I know it's it's celebrating seventy five. Love to see that more out on the track. I uh, picked up this. I, I know you, you can't listeners can't see this. Earnhardt koozie from that seventy five trailer, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just the the experience that. NASCAR had it, uh, like a big, huge playoff type setup, celebrating the playoffs, and they had a championship trophy right there with Joey Logano's name on it, and fans could go up there and take photos and everything. So, I just think the race day experience was uh, it was really cool at Martinsville, especially for you know um, the penultimate race of the season and the playoffs and all that. It was it's kind of a perfect type day if you were a race fan
1: um i my pop-up shower was from uh the paint scheme for uh bubba wallace uh coming up which is uh star wars now i'm not like a i've never actually seen star wars but i did want to point out uh one thing that i thought was cool first of all it was a cool paint scheme um i wanted to point out something that was not cool rather uh i thought that the paint scheme was awesome and pretty cool to see that uh the you know the the tweet that I saw was from Adam Stern. He said that it's uh, Bubba's uh, paint scheme for for Phoenix, and it's promoting the uh, new officially licensed Star Wars clothing collection, which is cool. It's good to see that like sponsors like that are you know coming to NASCAR and getting like a good uh, a paint scheme with it. However, um, somebody had tweeted at Lionel Racing, and uh, Lionel makes the die casts, and it said that uh, they they were kind of wondering about a die cast for it. And Lionel said that they have already inquired, but there have been no approvals at this time. And, uh, somebody responded to that and tagged, uh, Steve Laletta, who is the president of 2311 racing and said that, uh, they need to tell Lionel to change their minimum guarantee, uh, In parentheses, it's always about the money and we can get everyone aligned as we for sure want to make it happen. So uh, it sounds a little like there is, I don't want to say, you know, it's contentious, but I think that there's issues that have to deal with just money uh, as the reason for some of these die casts not being made despite like an overwhelming uh, request for them. But I do think that the paint scheme was super cool. Um, and, uh, like I said, it's nice to see stuff like that, uh, in NASCAR and, and these are twenty three eleven. I thought has had some great schemes this year with, uh, how they, how they have had modeled after Jordan shoes and stuff. So
3: speaking of Lionel racing, I met the president of Lionel. Um, he was on, uh, on our TV station. Um, uh, he, they are opening up a shop in. Nashville, or just opened in Nashville. Lionel trains and Lionel racing, um. So they're going to have two different locations, not just the one in North Carolina, but now one in Nashville. So uh, we had him on our TV station since we're not too far from Nashville. So it was cool to meet uh, Mr. Howard Hitchcock, the uh, vice president of Lionel um, Racing, and the cool thing, well, Lionel in general, but he helped bring. All the diecast to Lionel. I was reading a little bit about his story. He was the one that you know made sure that Lionel got the licensing needed from NASCAR to be the official provider of the diecast. So uh, that that was pretty cool to meet him. Trying to get uh, some sound from him, potentially use on a future episode here of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. So I guess uh, we have two Lionel <laughs> Lionel Racing mentions for the pop-up showers.
0: Very cool. Uh, maybe Lionel can start sponsoring us next year.
3: Yeah, definitely. We can each so, get uh, a one by 64 diecast.
0: That'd be pretty sweet.
3: <laughs> Whoa, imagine the logo of this show on a diecast.
0: That'd be pretty sweet, yeah. What number will it be?
1: 69. <laughs> nice. uh, I didn't want to say it, but... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh shit! That's funny. Um, so my pop-up shower. I should get a couple of things I saw in uh on social media. I thought were interesting. Um, so one of them was a um. I sent it to you guys. It was a like concept where somebody took a uh a Pontiac transport minivan. You know, one of those uh old minivans, like one of the original ones from like the 80s and 90s and they put the morgan mcclure number four kodak scheme on it and it actually looks kind of cool (laughs) uh it's pretty sweet looking it's totally just a uh like a cgi rendering but it looks pretty sweet um and then the other one was uh i saw on uh i think it was on facebook yesterday somebody made a meme of the uh the car that RCR is preparing for Sheldon Creed at Phoenix, and it's, uh, it's the Fred Flintstone's car.
1: <laughs>
2: if that car
3: blows an engine, seriously though, that I mean, I would get out and just throw an absolute fit.
1: Yeah, I would park it like Josh Williams did <laughs> right at the start finish line and get out of my car, throw the peace sign up, and then just walk into the infield. If there was a way for Sheldon Creed
0: to, like, set the car ablaze and then keep all the safety crew away from it so the car just
1: burns to the ground, I wouldn't blame him. Well, I was just thinking, like, as soon as the race starts, he just, like, waits for everybody to go around turn one and then just starts doing, like, a burnout right at the start-finish line to the point that his engine blows up. Yeah. That'd be wild. Or just like leaves it in like first
0: or second gear for an entire lap. So it's <laughs> on the chip for the whole lap.
1: Plus like you've seen how crazy that like when that restart happens where the, oh, you yeah. know, they go like maybe a foot or two away from the, the inside wall at uh, coming out of Road. the dog leg. Yeah. Right. So it'd be crazy to see what that would be like. Right.
0: Oh boy! Yeah, there was a couple of things I saw that, I th- that, were, that were pretty funny. The the Sheldon Creed one—that's that, that's some good comedy right there. <laughs> but also, like as funny as it is, you also couldn't, you wouldn't put it past RCR to bring him just an absolute dud of a car next week.
1: Absolutely. Oh, it's going to
0: happen. So well, yeah. So we'll look forward to that at Phoenix. Let's uh, turn our attention towards Phoenix um let's just go through the final four so there will be all three races this weekend of course friday night the truck series race where Corey heim carson Hosevar, ben rhodes and grant infinger will go for the championship saturday in the xfinity series race it'll be sam mayer and justin allgaier from jrm along with john hunter Nemechek and cole custer and then in the cup series It is Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, and William Byron. In our race picks uh, this past week, Dylan decided to rub it in on us (laughs) uh, by having, he was one point away from a perfect race with, uh, with Ryan Blaney, 59 points from him in the win, so he is most decidedly the winner now. Uh, the th- other three of us are separated by forty-two points total. Jake with ten eighty-three after a third-place finish and fifty-three points from Denny Hamlin. Steve and I, uh, we we lost some ground to Jake. Uh, I finished or Steve finished thirty-second, got five points from Alex Bowman. Uh, I finished thirty-third uh, with Brad Keselowski, but Brad did get stage points, so he finished. 16th or 16 points I should say So Dylan is our champion as we mentioned Last week Jake with 42 Or sorry uh, 38 points Over Steve and then 42 points over me So uh, I get the first pick this week Since I got last amongst us For Brad Kozlowski Finishing 33rd Man so the Phoenix winner back in the spring was, Byron, was William that? Byron. Yeah. yeah, it was William Byron. Uh, Kyle Larson finished fourth. Uh, Kevin Harvick finished fifth. Uh, Martin Shooks Jr. was Dylan's pick, finished 17th. And, uh, Jake, you did have, uh, Sorry, excuse me, I thought you had William Byron. You had Ross Chastain, who finished 24th. Uh, He picked him back-to-back weeks and uh, didn't do much or anything. Wasn't
2: wasn't that the one with with Hamlin taking him out?
0: Yes, that was, yes. And, uh, like, rode him up uh, in in the corner there. Yep. That resulted in Denny getting the penalty.
2: Yep. The the podcast scandal. Right, right. This season has has flown by. It seems like we just talked about that one.
0: I know it does. So uh, man, I don't want to take one of the non-four drivers, but like part of me wants to go Larson or Byron. But man, like the Hendrick cars, aside from this the strategy call that got chased up front, like didn't have it last week at Phoenix, and that has me or last week at Martinsville, excuse me, that has me concerned that maybe this tire compound change is throwing them for a loop and they just don't have the setup. And of course, you can't really pass at Phoenix, so. It's a track position game. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, if you're not up front, you're, you're stuck going, you can't go forward. Or if you're up front and you're not very good, you're going backwards. So, um, no, I think I'm going to go. Hmm. I think I'm going to go (laughs) Seabell. I mean, it's tough. I picked Seabell a couple weeks ago. At Homestead, and he won the race. I'm going to run it back with him. I would not. I would not complain about him being the uh, the champion. Steve,
1: you're up next. So my prediction is that uh, a non play a uh, non championship Ford driver wins, which means Kevin Harvick. I'm taking the King of Phoenix, Kevin Harvick, going to ride off into the sunset. Uh. Pound in a bush light as he crosses the finish, crosses the finish line. Um, but no, I, I mean, I just, I feel like it's almost too good to be true that this is his last race in a cup car at a track where he has, I think, won nine times. Um, Something like that. And the Fords have been good there. They've right. been good on the short flatter tracks. And I mean, we've seen Briscoe win there and Briscoe usually runs well there. And I just feel like, They're going to take whatever setup they had with him uh, when he ran well and try to make it so that that's his setup and that he has the opportunity to take it. Uh, But I do think uh, I I am going to take as a championship, I'm going to say Blaney wins the championship. Gotcha. Uh, Speaking of bush lights, did you see,
0: uh, I saw in the victory lane interview with uh, Justin Allgaier on, uh, on Saturday night, that uh, that Josh Williams Josh Williams ran up to to Allgaier, you know, in the in the post race stuff, and and Allgaier was kind of like shocked or whatever. And he thought, I think the the reaction Allgaier gave made me think that it's like, oh my gosh, did I wreck you? And like you're pissed <laughs> at me now. But no, it was Josh Williams coming up with a couple beers, and it uh, like, oh, this is awesome. That's funny. Okay, so you're going with Harvick for the win, but Blaney for the championship. Uh, Jake, who are you taking uh, this weekend at Phoenix?
2: Well, that kind of sets me up for mine because I mentioned earlier I wouldn't be surprised if he won. So I'll pick Ryan Blaney to win. You look at Phoenix in the spring, finished second. Last fall in the championship race, finished second. So, I mean, Steve Steve could be on to something here with Harvick winning and Blaney. That would be potentially his third, second in a row at Phoenix. But a couple other top fives in spring 22, fall 21, He's there. Um, he just had a way about him last Sunday. Um, just kind of go with the hot hand. And I was listening on the way back on the drive uh, back from the race to the teardown with Jeff Glock and Jordan Bianchi, and they brought up, you know, with Hendrick having two cars in the championship, what do you, all the resources there? Is there kind of a split? And and then you have like Team Penske, you know. With, with their vehicle and JGR can all their resources and prep this week can kind of go to those cars. Hendricks kind of split with two cars. I will roll with Blaney and, uh, the end of the year back-to-back wins in the championship.
0: All righty. And, uh, Dylan, your pick's already been made, but I want to know who you, uh, who you think is going to win the championship Dylan, of course, because who, he's got the title the- locked up.
3: Who is in the 15? That's who I'm picking, right? Oh, let me – J.J.
1: Yaley. Is it? Okay. J.J.
3: Yaley. Let's go. Um, I, I'm going to go with Blaney as well. Looking at the odds right now, he started out at, I believe, plus 280. Uh, it's gone down a little bit now to plus 250. Larson is kind of the uh, far and away favorite at the moment. So I think there's a little bit of money – early money on Blaney to potentially win this. So, yeah, I, I'm i kind of all in on him winning it. Um, and you mentioned a dark horse that's not in the championship for that could win this race. I think it's Joey Logano, the one who won last year's race. I think he could win it, but I also think he would get out of the way of his teammate, Ryan Blaney, and, and let him win and take care of it, kind of like Blaney did with him last year.
1: This this reminds me a little bit of Chase Elliott's run in 2020 cuz um like if you look at from Talladega to uh Martinsville for Blaney, he's his average finish is like just over fourth. Um and and Chase uh went in to Martinsville and won and then went into Phoenix started dead last because he failed inspection and then made his way to the front. Obviously it was a different car. Um but it just it just reminds me of that situation. Uh, and that's just what I feel like Blaney is just, you know, he's got the hot hand right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan would be a a deserving champion for sure. But it, there, there's part of me that would feel kind of wrong about it just because the Fords for a large part of the schedule were just a non-factor. And there's just part of me that feels like that wouldn't be you know, a true reflection of who the best car and driver was for the year. am, am I totally
1: off base with that? Or, or does that make sense? Some, I think in 2021 with like, with, uh uh with Larson, that would have like that whole, like if somebody had won that Phoenix race that, and won won the championship, I would have agreed because he was so above and beyond dominant in the second half of the season that it would have felt wrong with anybody else last year. I mean, you could have flipped a coin, and I think it would have been an interesting. I mean, you know, Joey was more than deserving, and I think Blaney's more than deserving. But I don't think that Joey was the best car last year either overall. Um, so and you I, have to look at 2020 know.
3: as the best example because Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin dominated yeah. the season, and neither mm-hmm. one of them won.
1: Denny didn't right. even make it to. Did he make it to the championship four? Or did Har- one of them? Kevin two
3: Harvick did-, did it. Kevin Harvick. Uh, Har- did yeah, it. Harvick. David That's
1: did right. It. I'd say the difference, though, is
0: that that Chase had a had a, a pretty solid year overall. Yeah. In twenty twenty, um, the difference for me is that Blaney won one race at, at the Coke six hundred, and he didn't win again until uh, Tal Talladega in the playoffs. And to reward somebody as the champion to go that long without winning a race, just it, it doesn't feel entirely right.
3: I think, though, but at the same token as that looking at in the season Kyle Larson's had, you know, if you want to be old school, he hasn't, he's had more DNFs than anyone else this season. It almost feels like. So if he goes out and wins, yes, he's won a lot of races this year, but if you look at him and, you know, the old pre pre playoff standings, you know, with the amount of DNFs that he's had, he would not be in the situation. Um, so, I mean, you kind of look at it both ways. I think also, if Christopher Bell wins, I think that that would be a bigger surprise if Blaine, than Blaney. Um, I know Blaney. Uh, I know Christopher Bell has shown speed earlier in the year, but I feel like uh, Blaney was was there, could have won in the spring here at at uh, at Phoenix. He he showed some speed, obviously at the Super Speedways and stuff. I think Bell would be a bigger surprise than
1: Blaney. I think this is a checkers or wreckers scenario for Kyle. I mean, it mostly is. But like, I think this is really a checkers or wreckers scenario for Kyle Larson. Um, You know, he's going in there a lot of the time with reckless abandon. And, you know, sometimes it bites him, sometimes it doesn't. But I don't know. I mean, I I see Braxton, I see what you're saying. Um, I think, you know, with the next gen, as far as the next gen car goes, like Byron this year has been has been very good. Yeah. but I still, if he won, would kind of feel the same way you do because I just don't like. I just would have felt like Blaney has turned it on like crazy over the last few weeks. That he looks like a championship car, where Byron right now doesn't to me. So I get what you're saying with it with that. So I, I was looking on uh,
0: on Twitter. So we mentioned it last week. With Dylan brought it up the. The account nwcs underscore standings basically they take the three national series and and apply points based on the old pre-2004 uh, point system uh, the, the same system that Dale Earnhardt won his seven championships under and that's and that account right now says that the current points leader as things stand is Christopher Bell by 67 points over Denny Hamlin William Byron is one point behind Denny at 68. Chris Busher is fourth with 96 points behind. And then Martin Schrooks Jr. is 155 points behind. Um, so yeah, like Christopher Bell has been in net season long format the, the, the highest point earning driver. Although they go on to say though that without penalties, Denny or sorry, William Byron would hold a 139 point over Denny headed to Phoenix. Had the uh, the penalty has not been applied, so where was still,
3: Larson on that though?
0: Larson I mean, is Larson's sixth. The,
3: yeah, Larson's the favorite. So, I mean, the favorite to win the championship right now would have finished sixth in in the you know Winston Cup standings. So
0: now I get it. Um, let's see, Blaney is seventh. So that's uh, the three or sorry, the four. um, and yeah, the four in the top seven. The other the three who aren't in the top are aren't in the final four who are in the top seven are Denny in second, uh Busher in fourth, and Truex in fifth.
3: Where does uh Chase Elliott find himself on that?
0: Uh Chase Elliott is twenty first, but remember he missed a bunch yeah. of races.
3: But who is he ahead? Is he ahead of anyone surprising?
0: Uh, he's ahead. So he's ahead of LaJoy by like 40, 39 points. He's Jeez. ahead of Haley, Priest, Cendrick, Gilliland, Bowman. Remember Bowman had some penalties in there too. Yeah. Eric Jones had a penalty. Austin Dillon had a penalty. Briscoe had a That's penalty. still pretty
3: impressive to, be, to miss that much of the season and to still finish right outside of the top 20 in the Winston Cup standings.
1: Yeah. He's, I mean, if you look at our, our, our friend of the show from uh, Ryan from Fantasy Race, if you look at a lot of his speed ratings at a lot of these tracks, Chase is up there, you know? Uh, so I, it's not surprising to me to see, because he's had really good runs at just about every track he's been at that he's been racing in. Uh, but uh, yeah. For what it's worth, um, in the truck series,
0: Corey Heim just has to start on Friday night and he has it locked up. Uh, in, in this, in this format, going back to the, the old way of doing points, uh, 2003 and prior, um, in that standings, it's, uh, the top four will be Haim, Enfinger, Josevar, Ekis um, and then in the Xfinity series, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, would need a 27th finish or better on Saturday to win the championship. And that, that one's actually pretty representative. So, so the top five in the, the Bush series standings, as they have it, um, are John Hunter, Austin Hill, Justin Allgaier, and Cole Custer, and Sam Mayer. So, I mean, rea- in reality, right? That's your top four had the Hill Creed incident not happen last week. All righty. So we went off the rails a little bit on our picks, but uh, for the final weekend, Jake is going with Blaney. Uh, Steve is going with Kevin Harvick riding off into the sunset. I'm going to Bell, and Dylan is going with JJ Yaley as part of his agreement for having the championship locked up.
1: Well, who's he, go who's or... he going with again? Who is it exactly? He's JJ going... Yaley. No, 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 the other guy. Oh, Reed Sorenson. There we Reed go.
3: Sorenson baby. <laughs>
0: if uh, that should be our, our mission for this off season, is we have to get to Reed Sorenson and get him lined up for our first show next year. I I
3: we have to go all out for that we
1: absolutely do we have to we absolutely have to try to
3: we need to set up a bot and have it tweet him every day asking (laughs) on our account
0: unfortunately i I think elon is is getting oh yeah doesn't know bots bots. (laughs) (laughs) i'll
3: do it i'll wake up every morning
2: yeah fine yeah we'll just do it then you know
1: (laughs) Yeah, i take turns twist, every four days. Twist my arm. Oh, man, I would hate <laughs> to tweet at Reed Sorensen all the time asking going <laughs> to be on our podcast.
0: Oh, that's funny. Um, So in random, all of us except Steve had a miserable day. Um, Steve finished sixth with Kyle Larson getting 31 points. Dylan finished 25th with Michael McDowell getting 12 points.
2: And lucky what I got.
0: Oh uh yeah so I finished 28th with AJ Almendinger getting 9 points and then Jake with Reed Sorensen on Sunday in Martinsville got 2 points with a 35th place finish. So our standings look like this. I lead the way with 859 points. Dylan has a 55 point deficit to me, try to catch me for the win. Um None of, no one else can catch me So it's just me and Dylan now uh, Jake is Jake could catch Dylan If things go right uh, Steve you're firmly in the cellar On this one sorry bud What else is new
2: <laughs> that <was> my, uh... <laughs> Yuck it up guys
0: well i know the penguins aren't doing so hot for you either so
1: oh i'm not a penguins fan i just work here (laughs) (laughs) well well, speaking of speaking of speaking of the seller i'm a i'm a coyotes fan (laughs) i was about to say like (laughs) being the coyotes fan isn't much better right yeah no i i mean i root for the pens but i don't i don't know it's easier to root for them than rooting for the coyotes right it's almost not because there's no expectation of winning with with Arizona they played an arena in front of 2,500 seats not even 2,500 people you know so it's a high school arena or it's a college arena but might as well be a high school arena right
0: exactly so okay so Jake gets first pick on the random wheel Dylan I know the Phoenix forecasts are really really tough on you so I'll give you plenty of time to to make this forecast
3: whopping 85 and sunny For our friends in Phoenix, which is only a degree warmer than what it was in Martinsville.
0: Wow. All right, Jake, you're getting to start it off with the, uh, the farewell ride in the 31 car for Justin Haley. Before he moves on over to Rick Ware Racing. All right, here's my spin coming up. The suspense is killing me. Oh, where's this going to stop? Okay, Chris Busher.
1: Realistic or, possibility, but probably not going to win. Pretty
3: disappointing he, round for him in the round of seven. It, we didn't even mention him.
0: It certainly was a disappointing round for him. Uh, but the Fords have been fast at Phoenix, so this could be a, a good redemption and and get his way. He can still Fight his way up to to fifth place in the point standings. All right, Dylan, spin going on here. Oh ho ho, the battle is on. Chase Briscoe.
3: Oh man, I you know what's weird? Like I, I was literally visualizing that as my pick in my head.
0: Well, you got him. So
3: yeah, I manifested that.
0: All right, here's he is the, good
3: at Phoenix right there.
0: Oh, Steve's got a good one here. Willie B.
3: Wow, he's got a championship four contender in the cellar.
1: As we talked about, uh, I have awful luck, so Willie B. is gonna be like he's gonna blow an engine on the first lap of the race. That's what's gonna happen.
0: I don't know. I mean, you finished tops amongst us um, this past week with uh, with Larson.
1: Yeah, but wow, you just went
3: Larson Byron back to back.
1: And right. I'm still in the cellar. It's like God's <laughs> playing a, a trick on me. <laughs> like, hey, hey so th- we've only had two winners,
0: period, this year in uh, in Random. Jake got a win uh, with William Byron at Texas, and Steve, you got a win at Michigan with uh with Chris Buescher.
3: I just I, want to say also, since we're doing this on a Tuesday night, the the uh, Lines have come out for the betting. I already mentioned, you know, kind of the favorites to win. But speaking of Briscoe, I like that you can get him right now plus money to finish top ten. Seems like a pretty good pretty good uh that's gonna be going the other way, I think, after qualifying. I think he's gonna qualify well again, just like he did in Martinsville. But then also Harvick is plus money for a top five and a top ten.
0: Wow. He's How plus much
3: 100, plus one hundred plus one hundred to finish top ten. He's plus like three hundred to finish top five so that'd be something to look at
1: how much would this absolutely destroy denny if he won this race oh my god
3: <laughs> if denny came out and won this oh <laughs> i don't think he would i think i think him and true x are going to be non-factors just because of their mentalities i think you know when's the last time denny hasn't been in the final championship four been a couple years, I
0: believe. Yeah, yeah, it's been a couple years. I, I I thought I sent you guys the link to it. I have to go back. And yeah, find it. You somebody did, made but... a uh, a graphic of like who all has been in the final four. Mm-hmm.
3: I That's don't true, think... though, John,
2: You know, some some of these guys in this race, if you're looking from fantasy or sports book perspective, could be on vacation mode right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, he, he didn't was, make it last year. Look so. So. No.
1: Soon as as soon as the checkered flag waves, Denny is gonna be on a flight to Cancun. <laughs> like, <laughs> <yeah>. uh, <laughs>
3: I can't believe obviously he didn't make it last year, thanks Ross Chastain, but he he did race well there last year. So maybe not, but I think Truex is checked out. So right now he still has pretty good odds. So I'd try to find a uh if anyone out there's looking to take some odds looking on FanDuel right now, I think there's a head to head with him and Briscoe I believe, or him and Logano. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Martin Church Jr. and Logano. I would take Logano right now
0: while Hammer Logano, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well uh I, I when I when we saw that grid earlier I did mention to you guys like I I am putting money at the beginning of the year of Logano to make the final four because he's made it in every even numbered year um <laughs> since this format started. All right, so we look forward to the all three series having their final race of the season this weekend at Phoenix. Let's take a look at some entry lists because there's some interesting entries in both the truck and the Xfinity series. Uh, Young up-and-comer Caden Honeycutt getting the start in the O2 truck for Young's Motorsports. Uh, You'll see Marco Andretti back in the 7 for Spire. Um, It's going down here. Christian Rose, a West Virginia driver from over in the Eastern Panhandle. He'll make a start in the 22 truck, uh, for AM racing. Uh, you'll see, uh, let's see. Sean Hingarani is going to be in the 75. That's normally driven in those one-off races by, uh, Parker Klugerman. The rule is you have to be eligible for, uh, truck series points to race in this final race for the truck series. So, uh, So that's why Kligerman cannot race in this race on Friday night. Um, Was another one here I saw. Uh, Stefan Parsons will be in the 25 for Rackley War. And uh, Derek Krauss will be in the 77 for Spire. So 38 trucks are going for 36 starting spots there on Friday night. In the Xfinity Series, there are 41 cars. They're going to show up for that one. Uh, including Sheldon Creed is, is indeed going to be in the RCR two. They haven't cut him loose early, at least as of this recording, uh, Stefan Parsons will be doing double duty. He'll be in the four car for JD motorsports. Uh, let's see here. Derek Krauss will be back in the 11 for college racing. Uh, Rajah Karuth will be in the 17 for Hendrick motorsports with Greg Ives on the pit box. That is a, I'm excited to see what Rajah can do with that. And, and we mentioned a couple of times in the last handful of episodes that with GMS racing closing down, uh, I've not seen where Raja is going to be racing next year. So, uh, hopefully this is a good audition for him to get a, an opportunity, uh, going forward. Let's see who else we'll see. Uh, I think that's really the only kind of surprising one on here. Uh, everybody else is pretty, pretty much a regular on the uh, on the circuit, Daniel Dial will be on the 44 for Alpha Prime Racing. That's a uh, a different one for sure. Uh, and then just the 36 uh, charter cars for the Cup Series race. Uh, I mean, I think we've talked about it enough. But what do you guys? Anything else you guys want to mention about what you're looking forward to at um, at
1: Phoenix? I'm just excited to see uh, the last. Not excited for it, but excited to see the uh, you know Harvick. I've, I've watched him, you know, his, his entire career, which is, you know, two full decades. Um, one of the best, uh, of all time. And, uh, it will be cool to see him, uh, one last time at Phoenix. And that's why I'm really hoping to see a, uh, a victory out of the four.
2: I'm all right. I'm, I got my fingers crossed that there is some form of, it being a good race, especially in the cup series level when we've discussed Phoenix and its issues. I hope uh, it can uh, deliver somehow and produce some fun racing.
3: I hope we get angry brother, future brother-in-laws at each other. (laughs) I hope uh, Byron and Blaney, one of them makes each other mad.
0: (laughs) Well, in the post race, Byron just straight up called him his brother-in-law. So I don't know if, if there's some sort of secret engagement or whatever going on between uh, William Ryan and Aaron Blaney or what. I, think, I guess they've been together. Like, William and Aaron have been together long enough, so maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, yeah, it should be a uh, a, a good culmination to the, the season for all three series. And uh, as much as it sucks, it'll be going away. Uh, I think uh, everybody in the industry – and us and at least me included and stuff will be you know ready to take a little bit of break and i'll watch some stuff like the snowball derby and chili bowl and then be ready to go for the uh, clash coming up in february already less than 100 days away cool deal well i think that'll wrap it up for this edition of Cloudy with a chance of racing be sure to subscribe whatever podcast platform you're listening on also uh, tell a friend about us. We'd greatly appreciate growing the Cloudy with a Chance of Racing family. Also, follow us on social media at Cloudy Pod. For Steve, Jake, and Dylan, I'm Braxton. Thanks so much for listening this week and every week to Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. We'll be back to recap the champions after Phoenix. Have a good one, everyone.